my soul will remain restless until it rests in you. These words confessed by St. Augustine have echoed across the centuries and remain a common thread to reverts and converts alike. These are the testimonies of those that have come to rest in the fullness of truth. This is Catholic Recon with your host, Eddie Trask. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon Testimonies from Reverts and Converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. And before I get into this week's guest, I want to remind you to subscribe and also make sure that you tell others about the podcast as well as the YouTube show and comment as well. This week's guest is Deacon Dave Imhoff, who is a good friend of my good friend, Dave Fortin, who has been on this show. And I'm going to mention both of these gentlemen. They're on the East Coast doing a lot of work. I know, Deacon Dave, you're going to get into uh, the diaconate and, and the formation there, but the what you're doing for the church is very notable. Um, and what you do to help Dave in producing his show. So if you have not heard of um, this podcast that's along the way, I highly recommend it. Fantastic guests, fantastic production. Please check it out when you get a chance. Um, and I just wanted to note just how important you gentlemen are um, to the church. And you both inspire me. I've only spoken to you, you Deacon Dave, maybe once or twice on his show, but um, just really, really appreciate what you do. Um, so welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you, Eddie. It's good to see you. I wonder if you can take people um, to your childhood and maybe give a, an overview of what it was like to be raised as a Catholic, because that's not the case for a lot of people that come on the show, but in your case, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I was born into a large uh you know, Catholic uh, family. Uh, I have six brothers, uh, no sisters. Uh, and um, yeah, my parents were uh, uh, very faithful. Um, and uh, I was baptized, I think, uh, 13 days. I did the math recently, 13 days after I was born. So, you know, uh, they get, took care of that right away. Um, and then I, I, as I grew up uh, in, in in the family, it's Staten Island, New York. It's part of New York City. Um, I went to Catholic school, uh, grade, you know, kindergarten through high school, and uh, you know, I, I, it was we we went to church all the time. Um, we were expected to go to church, but somehow I never really um, got that, you know, strong faith. You know, I I think I understood a lot of stuff. Uh, with the faith. Um, but, you know, I was pretty, pretty, um, I, the term I like to use is lukewarm, you know, and we know what Jesus tells us about, you know, being lukewarm, he spits us out. Um, so, um, yeah, so, uh, I, I, I didn't, it wasn't a real strong faith. And, uh, then when I had some, some crises in my life, uh, the, probably the most, significant one is when my mother passed away when I was 14 years old. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, I understood what was going on at the time. Of course, I was 14, you know, you know, what's, you know, what's going on. You're at the age of reason beyond that. Uh, but I really could not understand why 
God would would take uh, my mother. My mother was so important to me. She was, I was her favorite. She, you know, she was just loving and caring, and um, you know, it was. I was, you know, devastated. And um, anyway, then then once I finished high school, I I, I moved on. I got a, I got away. My father remarried uh, to uh, Sophie. And one ways I like to describe, you know, I can't call Sophie like the evil uh, stepmother, but she wasn't loving a real loving mother either. I couldn't describe her as a loving mother. You know, she was kind of going through the motions too. So anyway, I got away from home uh, when I graduated high school, went to uh, uh, engineering college in Rochester, Rochester Institute of Technology, you know, where, you know, uh, where typically college uh, stuff, you, you stray even further from uh, into some sinful, uh, you know, activities, et cetera. So, yeah. Um, how am I doing so far, Eddie? Is this no, kind of what you look at? <laughs> I was going to ask you if um, when you think back to the education, the the catechesis that was received, do you, do you remember anything about that? Because, um a lot of people that say lukewarm, they're also saying that they either weren't paying attention, in my case, I believe, um, when you're receiving catechesis, or uh, it wasn't strong, there wasn't a call to really live your faith. Do you remember what that was like leading up to, because all of a sudden you're in college, and I just wonder how much of um, the faith was even retained at that point. Yeah, um, I think I it wasn't I didn't pay attention or anything like that. I I think I was a fairly good student, um, uh, and I think it it was more they taught the nuts and bolts, um, you know, of of our faith, uh, scriptures, you know, the stories and things like that. What never came across, and maybe as you said, lived the faith. You know, I never at in those young years, never had a uh, relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, you know, you'd go up and receive communion, body of Christ, amen. I didn't really have a, a, an understanding that I was receiving Jesus Christ, uh, you know, in that Eucharist. Um, you know, so it, it was more not living. I think the you know, the catechesis, you know, did all the, I think the specifics, but it never got my heart. Um, and, uh, yeah. So yeah, no, that, that's, that's, uh, that's helpful. So then you're in college and you're, uh, like so many of us, um, distracted and do you remember anything in college? That, that stood out to you? Were there any experiences? First of all, did you stop going to mass? Because that's another common experience. I, I, I didn't totally stop going, but I, I um, wasn't consistent. Uh, they had, they did have a, a mass on campus. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I started getting into drinking um, and uh, we'd go out Friday, Saturday night, especially, well, Saturday nights. And, you know, uh, frequently I was hung over Sunday morning and I wasn't in any position or uh, shape to be going to, to, to mass. 
so those things uh that you know that type of stuff would happen um yeah so yeah yeah so then when you're when you're uh, post college i don't know when you when you got married how old were you when you got married uh we i was 22 um yeah so we got i met my wife uh like the last year in college um and when i was 22 maybe i was 23 when i got married a year a year after we graduated uh and uh yeah so was it understood uh, that it was it catholic a catholic yeah i mean that's what yeah. i'm getting at like in other words yeah. you're still firm enough to say you know what we're gonna have a catholic wedding and um once you were married like what i'm curious about is it usually follows that that if a person is kind of, I don't know, lukewarm that when they get married and they start having children, that they're not necessarily going to commit to, to um, a weekly schedule, but maybe it was different. I wanted to know what, what your experience was. Yeah. I, well, actually my wife was uh, very uh, much stronger in the faith than I, than I was. Uh, she, uh, she enjoyed the, the on-campus um, mass. They had a nice, uh, uh, choir or uh, folk group that she participated in. Uh, she now still plays the guitar and sings and whatnot. And she uh, has been in the choir here. So uh, she, that was kind of a draw for her. And, and she uh, kind of drew me back into the faith um, more strongly. Uh, her, her, she lived more her faith than, than I did or at the time. Uh, there was never a question of not, uh, marrying in, in the Catholic church. Um, and, uh, and in recollection also, we, uh, we, I don't recall, you know, strong pre-Cana. Um, I think we met with her pastor once, maybe twice. I don't, I, I you know, so it wasn't that strong. Uh, but I, you know, we did follow through and, and bring out, uh, our kids up in the faith. They got all the sacraments. Um, we would go to mass more frequently, but still not every week. Uh, so uh, it, still, I was not, you know, you know, hundred uh, percent dialed into our faith at, at that point. And when I was an early uh, young uh, adult and uh, a young parent, uh, and our children were were young, my wife would sing in the choir at the, at the parish we went to, and I. I would sit in the in the pews with our two boys, and it was all about keeping them in line. Um, and maybe I was somewhat embarrassed if they were, you know, noisy or you know, acting out. And you know, that was more my worry while I was there, as opposed to what was going on in the mass. So that's kind of where my mindset was, you know. So. Great. That's actually the first time I've heard someone say that, but that's been my uh, personal experience for quite a while where I, and I'm actively, I'd say, working on it, which is to say, I'm so preoccupied with the kids that I have no idea what's being said sometimes. And um, no, that's really helpful to hear that because I know that there are a lot of other parents that deal with the same thing. You know, just uh, jumping to today, uh, real quick is yeah. the mass is so beautiful. It's, it's so scriptural. It's this, if you pay attention, there's so much you can, 
you can get out of the mass. And it's not the same mass every day. You know, there's different uh, prayers that are depending on the day, the day, the year, the season and um, et cetera. And uh, of course the readings are always different. It's just so beautiful. You pay attention. Uh, it, it really is amazing. And you, and it's, it, it really is very helpful. So, but I wasn't doing it back, back then. You yeah, know, it was, yeah. you know, quiet. Yeah. Do I have to sit between you? <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> um so after so you get married. How long was it before what was that moment where you felt like, okay, maybe I'm not lukewarm? Now, to be clear, it's not as if when you're lukewarm, you're necessarily aware of it. Sometimes it takes a moment to then look back and say, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just going through the motions or whatever. Is any of that, does, did you have a moment that kind of stood out or uh, any type of retreat or anything that you may have participated in um, that would have shown you that? Yeah, it, it, it was a gradual thing. I, I wouldn't say there's a specific moment. There's some uh, things that did occur uh our parish uh, started uh perpetual adoration 24 7 perpetual adoration and you know, we would go into mass more co consistently at that point because my son was uh in formation of uh, uh for confirmation he was you know he's preparing for confirmation so and he had he had to like take notes for the homily and things like that at mass so anyway we're going and uh, you know, after mass one day, you know, or a bunch of times they, they were talking about, Hey, we need people to commit to certain hours during the week, um, uh, to, you know, cover the, uh, 24 seven adoration. My wife really, uh, encouraged me to do that. We both, you know, so we both decided to do that. And to me, that was probably the most important step that I took. You know, I didn't know it at the time, but that's how, uh, mostly I got this, you know, started to develop this relationship with, with Jesus. Um, you spend consistent time week after week uh, in, in that chapel with, with Jesus all by yourself. Um, I did hours in the middle of the night and um, it was, that was the amazing thing. I did have an event uh, that occurred um I won't swear that this is, you know, I wasn't dreaming. Let's put it that way. Uh, but um, at one point I, I had, it was either a dream or it happened. I, you know, uh, I had a vision of Jesus in this, you know, bright, you know, almost like transfiguration type um, uh, image. And uh, he came and sat down right next to me in the chapel and uh, opened a book, which, uh, you know, I interpret to be the Bible. And, you know, the message I got from that was that, Dave, you got to you got to read the Bible um, more, more and more often and consistently. So that was a, a big event that had occurred. Um, and and it continued uh, weekly adoration. And as I went, you know, more and more, you spend more time with our Lord and Savior, uh, and it just gets 
your relationship just gets solidified and improved and and then then other things started to happen. I got invited to an uh, an axe retreat. Uh, I don't know if Dave has talked about axe retreats in the past, but axe retreat is a it's a weekend retreat. Uh, it's an acronym. Uh, adoration. It focuses on the themes of adoration, community, theology, and service. And um, community being a real important thing for me uh, as well. That's where I started to develop a strong. Um, faith, faithful Catholic uh, community of initially men, because it's men's retreat and separately women's retreats. Uh, but in, in time, you know, my community would grow, grow to include, you know, many of the women that would go on uh, these retreats. Um, and um, that was another, um, I'll say turning point or important point in my conversion uh, uh, or awakening, uh, and, and, uh, you know, so that's awesome. No, that's awesome. Um, had, had you gone to adoration before committing to the perpetual adoration? Did you know what you were signing up for? Well, I did, we did adoration when I was, uh, when I was a, a child, I think it was mostly during, um, uh, Lent or, you know, the Holy week probably was, uh, and I was an altar boy and, uh, you know, I was assigned, I had to, you know, I had to be there and sit, you know, on the altar or something like that. So I, I've been to it, but I really didn't, yeah, I really didn't have an understanding of what it was. So when I was committing to it, yeah, I didn't, it wasn't uh, a great understanding in my, in my mind, you know, I'm an, I'm an adult. I'm what, I don't know how old I was, 40, 45 years at, at the time, 40 years, maybe, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing to say how much I didn't really understand about our faith, but yeah, I didn't really, I didn't have a good understanding at that time. Oh, that's good. Um, after the axe retreat and, and following, would you say that the next big thing was related to the call to the diaconate? And if so, can you speak to what that, what that was like? Because you talk about, radically different experiences as people, men that I know that have been called to the diaconate. Yeah, I, I think uh, the next step was, was not uh, a call to the diaconate. It was, it was, uh, I'll say a call to service. And that's another fruit from the axe retreat, the S being service. Um, I started to uh, get real involved with uh, the parish, the various things in the parish. I was an extraordinary Eucharistic minister. I, I began to teach religious education, which by the way, in and of itself, you had to learn what the faith is about to be able to teach it. Uh, so that was uh, a, you know, a good element. Um, I was a member of the parish council for many years uh, uh, and uh, even served as the president for our, for our um, parish and uh, you know so I started getting into these um, a lot of service Knights of Columbus was uh, obviously the other big thing uh, and very service oriented uh, uh, charity being their first principle love helping others helping your community etc uh, so that service I think was very uh, important in my um, in 
the next step that would come, and that is the call to the diaconate. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the story quickly is um, uh, one day after mass, I, uh, a lady comes up to me who I knew, you know, she's one of these ladies who were in my acts community. And she says to me, oh, you would make a good deacon. And I kind of ignored her. I, oh, thank you very much. And it's very kind of you, you know, et cetera. And uh, didn't do any, I didn't act on it. Um, and I don't know the exact timing, but separately I, I began to take, uh, do spiritual reflection. Uh, Father Ron uh, was my uh, spiritual director at the time. And, you know, I, it was a year or two that I was with him and, you know, meet uh, monthly. And he would, at one point he said, Dave, you're, you've got a real servant's heart. Uh, would you, you should consider uh, uh, being a deacon. And that was the, that's what I recognize as, as the call uh, is from Father Ron. And of course, I'm sure God called me through uh, this other lady that I talked about, but I wasn't aware enough or smart enough or humble enough to hear it. And um, so uh, when a priest asks you to do something, to pray about uh, a call like that, uh, that's, uh, I, it carries a lot more weight. Um, and so I, I, I did start to pray about it. And uh, it was about a year and a half two years later that uh, the class started the formation. Um, it's a five-year formation. It varies from diocese to diocese, but for the most part, it's five, you know, it's in that order of five years. We do a year of discernment uh, where we did the Ignatius spiritual exercises, which was fantastic for me. And then uh, four years of uh, academic or intellectual formation, as well as uh, other, you do ministry services as you go and um, uh, other, uh, I'll say, practicum things. What are, what are you going to have to do when you serve at mass and, and things like that, more uh, logistical or stuff like that. But anyway, uh, uh, that was a, obviously a great experience. Uh, did a lot for me um, uh, in, the, in the early stages of that uh, time. I retired from my uh, 38 years or so of uh, aerospace industry work, which gave me more time to focus on my formation. I would do a lot of things like uh, listen to, do a lot of, used a lot of resources that were available, a lot of podcasts, Father uh, uh, Bishop Barron, I think it was, Father, no, it was always Bishop Barron at the time, listened to a lot of his stuff and uh, Father Mike, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I would, I would be consuming as much uh, Catholic um, uh, material that I, I could get my hands on. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, with the, uh, the, the process of, of formation, both the candidate uh, and the diocese discerns if this is in fact a call from God, that's really, and you do it throughout the whole process uh, all the way up to they say when the, the bishop lays his hands on your head. Um, uh, so, which can be a little scary thing is you go through all this work and preparing and, and up, uh, oh, no, but um, so. Uh, oh, that's yeah. fantastic. And, that's fantastic. Yeah. You're, so how does the church, if you can speak to that, I when you're saying the church is also 
discerning just those that are running the program are, are just observing and making sure that that the fit is there and that the uh, ability to uh, i guess be available is there what is it when when you're talking yeah, that, church discerning yeah. does that speak to go ahead yeah um we, well there was there's uh in our diocese a couple of positions there's the um uh, director of uh, of deacons in our uh, diocese, but also um, our um, there's a, a someone in charge. It was, his name was Deacon Ben. Uh, he he was in charge of our formation, uh, so they're kind of keeping an eye on it. We're, we're required to go through uh, spiritual direction throughout our formation and and continue on as uh, now ordained. Um, but I'll say the main, I think, mechanism was uh, there's a diaconate board uh, in the diocese that we would have to meet several times throughout the process before we even became uh, a, a candidate. We had to meet many times, and most of the times we had to bring our wives. One of the things they were very, uh, very uh, cautious of is, you know, uh, deacons can be married only before they're ordained and uh matrimony is a sacrament ordination is a sacrament holy orders sacrament both sacraments they didn't want to break one sacrament your marriage for the sake of uh some you know serving the church as as a deacon in this case so they were very uh spent a lot of time making sure that um my wife and all the other uh, deacons that or candidates were in formation that she was on board with this and that this wasn't going to be causing any problem, um, uh, you know, with our, our marriage. And so they had to write handwritten letters and all this type of stuff. So between the interviews and all the letters we had to write, plus the kind of oversight by uh, Deacon Ben, who, you know, was in charge of our formation and the deacon director, you know, if there was ever, you know, any indication that there's something wrong, yeah. you know, then they would uh, drill down into that. So, um, good. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's really good. And, yeah. in, our, in, our, in our diocese, we had um, seminarians, uh, I think two of them, uh, fairly recently in the last four years. And they were, uh, I think, a year away from being ordained as um transitional deacons and then a year later they they would be ordained as priests um but something happened and all of a sudden you know they're not in the program anymore uh and uh it seemed like it was something on the on the diocese side that that they you know detected something yeah. so and you know you're within a year of you know you what you probably did in four years put in four years of of seminary and now and now, you know, that's kind of a, I wouldn't say scary, but, you know, uh, disappointing if, if, if sure. that, if, when that would happen. So, but God, yeah, but that's the, that's the beauty of it. So I've come across a number of men that were in the seminary in their, I guess, mid twenties for, for years, and then realized it wasn't right or, or um, someone else realized it wasn't right. But what they learned in those years is fantastic so the theology hmm. let's say or or it, what you've mentioned maybe the element of service has carried has really stuck with them so i think that's that's pretty cool um so you were ordained this summer is that 
right? Yes, yes. July eighth this this past it's about three months ago now. Uh, yeah, and what a wonderful day that was. Uh, had family um, come in. Uh, you know, I you know through all these years of of service and stuff, especially with Knights of Columbus and and the acts. I've I've done many acts teams. I won't tell you a number. I don't even know if I know the number anymore, but it's a lot of them. Uh, I got to know a lot of people uh, in the diocese, in the state. Um, and anyway, there were a lot of people there uh, supporting me, that which was beautiful. Uh, just being, we, uh, we were at the cathedral in, in Norwich, Connecticut, uh, uh, St. Patrick Cathedral, not the one in New York City, in Norwich, Connecticut. It's still very beautiful. Uh, and uh, the, they recently renovated it and uh, you get up in that sanctuary uh, with the bishop uh, was uh, an amazing, you know, emotional, spiritual experience. Um, two people gave us, uh, gave me advice before uh, that ordination. And he said, don't worry about where you're supposed to stand, what you're supposed to do. There will be people there that will tell you all that stuff if you if you forget or whatever don't worry about that just let experience the 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 uh, a moment and uh that was great great advice uh uh and you know so well i had to lay down on the on the marble uh ground floor there and while they prayed the the litany um and uh you know, you, you, you kneel in front of the the bishop three times. Um, once you, you 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 got your hands in prayer, he puts his hands around, and that's when you promise obedience to the bishop and his successors. Um, uh, there's an, another time when he actually ordains you. You kneel in front of him, and he puts his hand on your your head, and it's a quiet prayer. He prays in. Uh, uh, silently um and the last time is he gives you the book of the gospels and he you know you say you know uh, receive the gospel uh whose herald you now are um let's see if wow. i get it right uh you know uh believe what you read uh teach what you believe uh, yeah teach what you believe and practice what you what you teach Something like that. Um, I probably should know it by heart, but no, that's, <laughs> that's, that sounds uh, unbelievable. Oh my God. Yeah. That must've been so, yeah, like you said, emotional, spiritual. Um, and then what has it been like the first few months now serving the church in that, in that capacity? Oh, you know, awesome. It's amazing experience. And it just uh, continues. Uh, I'll say the, you know, of course, serving at mass, uh, you're you're right there uh, while um, the priest is consecrating uh, the Eucharist. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes down, and you know, uh, priest acting in the person of Christ. Uh, so, just you know, uh, purifying the vessel, preparing the altar, all the different tasks that the deacon is responsible for. Um, you know, just kind of front and center there. It's just, just amazing. It just makes the mass alive, uh, proclaiming the gospel. When a deacon is uh, there uh, at the mass, uh, he's he, or if there's multiple, it's one of the deacons is responsible to proclaim the gospel. Um, 
preaching every once in a while. I've preached a, a, a few times. Um, about once a month is is the schedule that uh, my pastor has given us. So I really enjoy that. Um, uh, I like to bring in some experiences that I have in life, uh, as well as, uh, you know, think popular culture things, uh, maybe books or, or music and things like that, that people can relate to. And, um, but I think one of the greatest things to do, I've, I've done four of them and that is baptisms. Uh, it's intimate, it's smaller, uh, event of, and, but you're, actually playing a key being a key instrument for god to save a soul you know uh you know forgiveness of sin forgiveness of of original sin of course these little babies uh young children you know don't have any sin other than original sin but bringing them in and making them part of the family of god uh, share the divinity of of christ uh it's it's just an amazing experience and, and it's joyful. The family's joyful. Um, and, uh, that's probably the best, uh, the best experience. I think. That's amazing. Um, based on what we covered as far as having that long period of being, uh, lukewarm and then eventually doing the <laughs> perpetual adoration, signing up for that with your wife and then doing the axe retreat, and then here becoming a deacon. Um, if if you were to f- speak to anyone, and I'm sure you speak to a lot of them um, that are lukewarm, or or you can sense that they just don't understand the depth of the faith or the the gravity of the faith. What would you? What advice would you give them? Well, I, I would. The advice would I I I'd give them to. Well, I'll say two things. One is work on uh, forming your faith. And I want to talk about my deacon ministry uh, with that. But the other thing is to do things to uh, develop a, a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And whether that's through adoration or prayer, um, I'll go touch on that right now. Is that, For example, you know, I teach confirmation students. Uh, uh, now they're in, in preparation for receiving uh, confirmation, and that's a two-year process. And you know, I've heard people say, "Oh, well, confirmation is like uh, graduation, where they get confirmed and you never see them again." Uh, I don't know if that's uh, your experience or if you've seen that, but a yes. lot of times you you know you know, so it, it shouldn't. It obviously isn't confirmation. Uh, isn't like a graduation. Uh, but uh, that's kind of the thing. And, and I, I recently realized that I got to get these children, these young, young adults to their high school to develop that personal relationship to, to, with Jesus. So, so rather than just teaching all the facts and figures that, you know, is in the book that I, not, not that I don't do that or we don't do that. It's, and we have a team of, of catechists doing this, but a big emphasis is on things like prayer. Uh, we'll do adoration um, as part of our class from time to time, but really trying to um, uh, get the, the, the students to 
get that good prayer life started. And through that, um, you know, they could, and adoration, they could develop their, that relationship. Um, going back to my deacon ministry, uh, each deacon is assigned two things when they're ordained, they receive, you know, orders, uh, and holy orders. It really is orders <laughs> and they come in writing. Here's your, here's your orders from the bishop. And, um, one is a, a parish assignment where you're going to work with a particular parish and help, you know, do masses and things like that. Baptisms. Like that. the other is a ministry, some other, uh, uh, work that you're going to do. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, like a soup kitchen or, or, um, um, prison ministry or something like that. That's just some examples. Of some of the other guys I know, um, I wanted to be involved with the Knights of Columbus and specifically forming their faith. So my my assignment is uh, to work with the state of Connecticut uh, State Council uh, Knights of Columbus uh, on forming faith. And we have a, a new initiative come came from Supreme. It's called CORE. Uh, and what CORE is, it's Latin for uh, heart uh, and the word core is the root of the word courage. Um, but the mechanics of this is about starting uh, events, core, uh, I'll call it gatherings. They don't, they don't want us to call it meetings, but you know, <laughs> essentially it's a meeting um, where you focus on three things, prayer and significant prayer, not just a, a brief opening and closing prayer. Uh, you know, maybe it's uh, adoration or maybe it's a mass or uh, maybe a, a rosary with intentions or something like that. So prayer, formation, faith formation, some form of uh, faith formation, very flexible. We're using right now the the Into the Breach um, program that the Knights of Columbus puts out. And then fraternity, which is one of the other principles of the Knights of Columbus. And it's, it's uh, fraternity, oh, well, just have some time we get pizza or coffee and donuts and stuff like that. And time just to be together as, as buddies and, and whatnot. And this is open to all men of the parish. So um, my responsibility as my ministry is to get these cores uh, implemented in councils throughout the state of Connecticut. Um, and uh, so to kind of get back to your answer, your question is just a quick summary is one form your faith um if i that's the advice i would give people and maybe get involved in one of these core things or something and uh a good prayer life uh to help you develop that um personal relationship with jesus christ maybe the last thing would be is the sacraments uh make yourself available to the sacrament of the eucharist go to mass at least weekly uh, if you can do daily, that's even better. That's when we're getting the graces that help us and also a good um, uh, habit of going to reconciliation. I recommend at least monthly uh, reconciliation. So those are the kind of bits of advice I, I, I tend to give people. No, I really appreciate it. Fantastic answer. Um, it means a lot and I'm sure it'll it'll help a lot of the listeners as well. Deacon Dave, I want to thank you for your witness. I want to thank you for saying yes to the diaconate. Um, it's uh, it's a big deal, and the the church, the diocese uh, around the the country, surely appreciate the diaconate. And uh, 
Uh, again, I want to thank you. Keep up the good work. Well, I'll be praying for you. And thank you. Um, everyone, thank you for watching. Thank you so much for your support. And until next time, take care and God bless. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Catholic Recon. Please feel free to leave a comment. And remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen. To find out more about Eddie Trask, go to www.eddytrask.com. May God bless you.